Chapter 12 Javon 2 You were lucky, Monty Python, four Yorkshiremen. 10.30 a.m. comes much too soon, especially because I've been dreaming of the previous night. Time for a quick shower, none to trim my beard. Always enough for coffee. My God, if ever a smell inspired poetry, it's brewing coffee. Unfortunately, a mug of Joe won't survive the bike road to Vin's, so I burn my tongue gulping it down. Ouch, and damn, what a waste. I still have my old Schwinn with the faded green fenders that rattle and shake as I shift into tenth gear and pump wildly to get behind the counter before the lunch rush does. The sun is shining and people are out walking, mostly towards campus or to the Loop, the two-by-four block downtown area, where every single business in this college town is located. Woodstock's Pizza, Freebird's Burritos, Hummus Republic, Cache Coffee, the place that still has the working vintage pinball machines and antique video games, and of course, Vin's Place. The people are from all over, and although I don't understand what they're talking about, I hear six languages in the five-minute ride to Vin's. I wave to Fast Eddie at his post outside the village market. The first time I met him, he sat at that same spot. Have you got any part of 63 cents, my man? I'm so broke, I can't pay attention. I thought it so funny and original, I gave him a buck. Of course, in the months since then, it's become a little less original with the umpty hundredth telling. 11.05 a.m., and I'm locking the Schwinn up to the water meter out back of the old stucco two-story that houses Vin's place. This requires a kryptonite U-lock combined with a curly cable, Otherwise, I'll have to hoof it home tonight. Between the thousands of college students and the dozens of people walking through or sleeping in Anascoyo Park out back, it's almost a sure thing that an unlocked bike won't stay in one place for long in the loop. Besides, I'd miss the old workhorse. I'm so fond of him that I'd give him a name. Schwing! Yeah, I know. But I've added to the brand's lettering so he's eponymous, and if he ever gets stolen or if I forget what party I left him at last night, that's a definitive identifier. In fact, he's been stolen at least twice that I know of. Once, when I came down from my shared second-floor duplex apartment, no swing. But the bike came back that afternoon with his peeling metallic green paint intact. Joy cycling is a thing. Another time, as I headed out the door to Vin's, he went missing again. Crap, gonna be a little late. But Vin would just give me the look, and as long as nothing went wrong during my shift, it would be forgotten. But of course, if something did go amiss, I'd be reminded of that late entry for a week or more. It's only a 12-minute walk anyhow, and no need to get worked into a sweat around it. Strolling past Nina's greasy spoon, there he sat, swing, locked up with the perp's own lock. The knife! Fortunately, the local boys in blue or in this case, various shades of olive and brown, are two blocks away and they know me. So I fetched them and they accompanied me back to the weathered wooden bike rack, which I probably could have knocked to pieces with a casual kick, out in front of the restaurant. Wielding a pair of massive bolt cutters that looked like the jaws of life's little brother, they easily snipped the alien lock right off and freed my wheels from captivity. They knew what Schwing looked like and the repainted logo, the only fresh paint on the little guy, gave proof positive. They saw the logo, chuckled again, slapped me on the shoulder, and went off to an otherwise calm morning, a much better shift than the Saturday night party riots the cops endured and broke up. 
Some very nervous guy with a half-eaten breakfast in front of him looked out the window of Nina's. Obviously, guilty as hell, he turned his face away and shuffled over on his bench seat away from view. But no worries. Schwing won his freedom. Back to today's shift at Vin's, I unlock the door and walk into a combination decor of red and white Czech chic and baseball paraphernalia. The tables have red and white checkered plastic tablecloths. The wallpaper is red and white checks. The little curtains pulled to the side of the street windows? Yep, red and white checks with a ruffle or two. On all the walls are a collage of Mets and Dodgers newspaper clippings, posters, and other baseball-y stuff. Tommy Lasorda, of course, Joe Torre, Casey Stengel, a pair of dueling headlines from the New York Daily News and the Los Angeles Herald Examiner hang prominently in the center, both from October 13, 1988, Report on the previous day's game when Hersheiser shut out the Mets in only two days' rest to send the Dodgers to the World Series, where they subsequently dominated the A's four games to one. The news led with, bummer. The Herald with, party. At my first breath upon entering, I'm greeted by an absolute olfactory delight. Vin himself has been here for a couple hours already, doing prep and getting things cooking. He's already stopped at the baker to pick up at least a day's worth of sub-rolls. They're still warm, yeasty, and aromatic in their big paper sacks. The side-by-side two-burner wolf ranges have all four heavy black grates covered, blue plasma flames flickering. The Italian sausage, which is cooking in at least one big cast-iron pan at almost all times, releases the pungent scent of popping fennel seeds. Licorice and pork. I know, seems like an unlikely combo to the uninitiated, but mouth-watering in this context. The fennel seeds pop like nano-popcorn, and the hot kernels at first leave burn marks on my wrists and arms. But my body acclimates, so after two or three days, the red marks stop happening, and the oil doesn't burn anymore. Still, when I return after being away a few days, the sting and burn marks start happening again, but only for a day or two. Weird how bodies work. Two sets of meatballs are cooking on the wavy corrugated baking pans in the oven, and another two sets are simmering in the giant pot of marinara sauce, also going almost the whole day. Garlic, basil, and black pepper are each releasing their own seductions, come hithering out into the street, pulling people in by their nostrils. Even if they're not hungry, they come in to share in the communal aromatic feast of the senses. Some stay for the food, some for the conversation, some for the jokes, but they all arrive into the welcoming sense of an Italian kitchen. I'm sure you've noticed that when you're around an unpleasant smell, your brain moves it into the background and you stop noticing. But Vin smells delicious all day, and until well after the stove burners go off at night. My clothes retain the aromas when I head home, and if I am to encounter a member of the fairer sex that evening, hopefully it will stoke her hunger a bit. Yeah, there's a hint of cockroach aroma that reaches the senses as well, but you get used to that one. I step into the back, and there is the man himself, bald pate erupting out of a wreath of salt and pepper curls, some of which are themselves erupting out of his ears. His Jimmy Durani schnozzola centers a classic Sicilian face, dark eyes by turns brooding and sparkling, the palm all hanging out of his mouth that's ever present before opening time when there's no health inspector around. His gravelly Bronx Italian accent rings out. What's this casato, Javon? Did your mama forget to wake you up this morning? Come on, Vin. I'll work an extra five minutes at the end of my shift, okay? 
The hand comes up for just a second, acknowledging and dismissing me at the same time. Then he's right back on task. The arm moves forward, the roast glides over the spinning razor-sharp blade, and an almost translucent pink slice falls onto his palm. As his right arm comes back, cocked for the next slice, he flips the one in his left hand over and slaps it onto the wax paper as his right arm is already pushing the roast forward again. Push, slice, spin, slap. Push, slice, spin, slap. The man is a machine himself. When it's my turn on duty with the roast, I get into the flow with the steady whir of the well-oiled machine, just as Vin is right now. It's meditative. It's calming. And except for the occasional break to wipe up the blood, it's a rare roast, baby. It's almost a shame when a customer walks in and rings that little countertop bell. I duck around the half wall to see a little guy in a t-shirt that says, it's all fun and games until someone decides to divide by zero, and wearing a backpack loaded with books, Danny, a regular. Hey, Javon, what's hanging? Dan, what's going on, man? Man, oh man, there's this tall chick walking down the street and oops. He shuts up and Chris walks in. She's a classic tall California blonde, bright smiles and little freckles on smooth tanned skin. And although it's the 10th time she's come in for an eggplant parmesan, it's the first time I've really noticed the shape of her shirt. Maybe it's because it's often so busy in the shop when she arrives. That doesn't usually distract me from the awareness of beauty. The thought comes unbidden, spoken by my inner horn dog. I've got to see if what's under there is what they look like. Look, I worship women in my own way, but my internal dialogue sometimes differs from when I'm in the clutches of actual romance. So sue me. Hey, Chris, it's great to see you. I second that comment, says Denny, openly looking her up and down. So, Dan, I know you got to go study, eh? See you later, man. Uh, what? Uh, oh, yeah, he says. Good seeing you, man, and all that. Hey, wait a minute. What about that turkey sub? Right. Almost forgot. Mayo, mustard, tomato, pepperoni, chini, and you know lettuce because you end up wearing it light on the dressing. Large Coke, just a little ice. You're amazing, Von Man. Once again, you have it right. Memory like a steel trap. Yeah, that's me. Totally can remember a thing after the 101st time. That's 6422 plus tip. See you later, man. So, Chris, hi. Hi, Jav. Yeah, you know that guy? He's kind of creepy. Yeah, well, Denver there is a math major, and you never know what's going on inside their heads. They're sequestered away, studying all the time, and when someone lets them out of their cages, they're like, party. They don't know how to adjust their own algorithms. He means no harm. He's just used to talking to numbers rather than humans. Speaking of parties, Chris says, me and my roommates are having cocktail hour tonight at the treehouse, too, and you're invited. Want to come? Do I? Her grammar makes me wince, but not the lovely speaker. Sure, Chris. Should I bring some beers? And do you want the eggplant deluxe or regular? What's your address? What time do you start? Her laugh tinkles like little bells. Slow down a little, buckaroo. Beer's fine. Just the regular eggplant. It's out on Trigo, just past the actual treehouse. Remember I waved to you last week as you rode by. We break out the shaker at 8 p.m. Right, I say. Uh, of course, I remember. Um, not off until 10 or 11. That's okay, she says with a wink. We can extend the hour. And off she goes, a vision in denim and silk. My heart does a little skip and a hop. Next in are Duty and Jake, Earth Mother Goddess and her hipster hubby. DJ, it's been almost two days. How have you been surviving without visiting Vins? We make do, says Jake, the hardship of home cooking aside. 
I keep cook, says duty to Jake. Instant oatmeal is cooking, ramen is cooking, but it leaves me a bit peckish and desirous of the good Mr. Javon's talents for the preparation of comestibles. Peckish, say I. As surient, that from duty. Well, you've come to the right place. It's a cheese shop, I say, doing a passable but exaggerated John Cleese. And yes, I know it's Palin's line, but what can you do? We've got lots of cheese here. Perhaps you'd like something on some. Ah, says Jake, the missus and I will split an arrow with some red Leicester, and please tell the damn bazooki player to tone it down. You've got it, now, Harold, but I'm afraid we're out of the red Leicester. The van broke down, and all I've got is provolone. Provolone, then, though my heart might break as it had been set on the Leicester, or perhaps a running camem camembert. Oh, I can make the provolone quite runny. Duty's eyes roll. Thank goodness he didn't ask for the Dorset Blue Vinny. Do you need me out front? asked Vin from the back. No, Vinny, we're just talking about cheese out here. Good God, says Duty under her breath. The two of them are a laugh a minute, and folks like them make working here pretty light, so the day rushes by. The little place with its six tables and a counter fills up and empties numerous times. The tip jar on the counter slowly fills, first with coins and small bills, later in the evening with beers, half-smoked joints, and the occasional mysterious bindle. Conversation hums, jokes and conspiracies are exchanged. The world might not change too much from the food and banter, but a few folks' days are made a little better, hunger is sated, and I am witness to a local and international culture rolling on through. From stoners to students to street people, with some encompassing all three distinctions, the patrons of Vins fill and empty the place repeatedly throughout the day. Here comes a Muslim in a Mercedes to buy lunch for a carload of hungry travelers, as the Koran prescribes. We feed you only for the countenance of Allah. We wish not from you reward or gratitude. And indeed, he hands me the money to feed this family without a home and dries off with hardly a word. There goes James and John, two people in one head, arguing a point out loud. I don't know which one of them is winning. A haughty test pilot steps in for a meal, passing through on his way to Caltech, from Vandenberg Air Force Base, an hour up L-101. He asks for it to go, he's in a rush, and he blasts off out the door. Fast Eddie graces the place, tripping on moldy rye bread that didn't even cost part of 63 cents. Aido, ergo zoo, man! I never know if he's serious, but I've heard that ergot fungus can generate lysergic acid, but not the D part. Ed, if I give you in 20, are you sober enough to run over to the beer shop and get me a sixer of Hoppy Poppy and keep the change? Hoppy Poppy, IPA, is far and away my favorite. Jab, they won't let me into that shop anymore. Just tell them I sent you to get it. Five minutes later, he's back with my five-pack. I know, says Eddie, but I needed the poppy seeds in that brew to take the edge off the rye thing. That's okay, Ed. And I put it away in the cold table to take the four-pack over to the treehouse, too, this evening.